Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Sam Quattro. Hello. And Haley Neighbors. Hello. This is the first in a series of discussions we'll be having about Shira while we wait for season two. Subscribe to our Shira-specific iTunes feed or the Overly Animated YouTube channel to not miss any of them. Um, as you can tell from the title, we will be talking about the ship, the in all caps, the ship coming out of season one, Ketradora. Um, and you can find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes, where we appreciate your star ratings, or search for Overly Animated on your favorite podcatcher. So, guys, let me just start by asking you, why do you ship Ketradora, and what makes them so appealing to you? Like, what is it about this relationship that, you know, it, it, why is it so, is it resonating with so many people in the fandom? Why do, why just do people gravitate towards it? Like, what's going on just personally with you? Um, let's start with Haley. Well, I think it's appealing because it's very confused, <laughs> almost, because it, it's got a lot of layers to it beyond just um, them being, like, cute together is they they have this old childhood relationship first of all which has a lot of problems with it and like trauma with it and then bonding through that trauma and all that angst and then now we've got them set up as how the show's kind of setting them up where one's the protagonist one's the villain and but they still care for each other which is a really confusing and conflicting thing um and i think they handle it quite well so yeah, I think it's just because it, it's got it's got a lot of layers to it. So it, it makes it really interesting. And there's a lot of different ways that can go with it in general. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And Sam, what about you? So for me personally, when I ship things, um, something that really gets my foot in the door is having characters that I really relate to. And in that, in that case for this, that would be Katra. And, you know, I just want to see her be happy. And I just want to see her live her best life because I see a lot of myself in her and like with Adora I can see that happening so that's why I personally ship it as to why others ship it I really think it's that sort of enemies to lovers trope that they got going on now uh, and people just want to see Catra be redeemed and just them be in love and there's probably a whole bunch of fanfic I haven't read about it yet but it's just, it's wonderful, great, beautiful. Mwah. It's like a good, good pasta dish. It is, it is. I mean, I mean, <laughs> to be like, while I was preparing for this, I was like rewatching things and I was like, oh, you know what would be really helpful? Just going into Tumblr and seeing what the fans have to say. And what a mistake, because then suddenly I was just <clears throat> becoming a part. I was like, I need to be somewhat objective. And it's like, no, I became a part of it. I started like finding fanfic and it was, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but, okay, let's talk, you both mentioned, like, two big aspects of their dynamic that I kind of want to dive a bit more into. Oh, wait, well, I'll just say very quickly why I like Ketradora. I think they're cute together. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're great. And, um, I don't know, I, um, I, I have a lot of comp complicated relationships with Ketradora. Like, I love them, but there's just so much angst and things there that they need to work out. And in order, I don't know, in order to be together, they have to be different people by the end of the show in order to be together. Like, there's just a lot there and a lot of drama. And that's like, I, I live for pain. That's where I go. And I'm just like... <laughs> the angstier, the better. Basically, yeah. I'm like, that's usually where, like, 
I am attracted to is like the complex relationships between two female characters you know and here's the thing we don't get a lot of them and the fact that we do get it and it's done so well like I I wouldn't be surprised surprised if that's part of the element people want that want to see that and um yeah so I, I I don't know I just love it anyway so let's talk about these very specific dynamics so one that was mentioned was the like hero villain relationship and this is essentially like a gay version of that um but I'm just curious, before we get into Ketradora specifically, have we ever, like, seen that done well? Like, a gay version, uh, well, let's make it broader at first. Has there ever been a, a hero-villain relationship that's been done well? Like, the one that I've seen, like, most recently has been, like... See, I even put it in the outline. I was like, if someone says this, I'm editing them out. But like it's but then the more right, I, this, but then the more the more exactly the more I r- <laughs> thought about it, I was like, oh, it makes sense. And it's popular, so I'm like, all right, fine. But like the most recent like hero villain relationship I've seen is the Raylo one, which is Ray and Kylo Ren from Star Wars. And like having like a very big, like resonating fandom thing. Mm. But um I know, I know. But um <laughs> And now I understand why, like, people like Glumadora, because they're Finn and Rey, and I'm like, oh my god, it makes, it all makes sense. Anyway, it does, anyway, point is, um, so one, has there been one that's been done well? And then, to make the question harder for you, has there been a gay one that's been done well? Oh, man, I I don't know. I have no idea. Honestly, that's not really a trope that I gravitate towards. So this is like the first time for you. Yeah, because it's just like not really appealing to me. I mean, back in the day, you would have things like Zutara and um, ships similar to that, where it's sort of like, you know, I guess Raylo's kind of the same thing because <laughs> it is the same sort of concept, sort of like the bad boy who's the villain and you want the good girl to like bring him over to the good side. And I just think that's so cheesy and so terrible. But I think what gives um, Catra and Adora sort of a better ledge to that is that they were friends first. Mm. And that Adora was a part of the bad guys as well for most of her life. And, you know, there's more backstory and more buildups there. And they have a history. And it isn't just like, oh, I see this bad boy and I want to change him. Not like that. It's I feel like it's much more believable with the Catradora stuff than like anything Raylo is doing, anything you know Zutara was doing ten plus years ago, anything in that trope. I think it's a great example of the you know villains and heroes shipping sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, Haley. What about you? Yeah, I can't really think of any specific ones. I guess. I'm reading a book right now and I guess that's kind of happening in it. <laughs> so it's not a a unique uh, dynamic necessarily, but I think I totally agree with you, Sam. I think what makes this actually intriguing and not just seeming silly and superficial is that they have an established relationship and know each other already. And it's also, and we see this later on in the series and stuff is that they don't, well, maybe they do, but they I feel like they don't actively hate each other. Yeah. They're just on very different philosophical terms at the moment about what is right and what is wrong and the gray area that's in all of that, which makes it much more interesting than just being like, oh, Catra's bad and, and Adora's good and they like have all this angst. Like they do share similar perspectives about the world, but things have changed. Um 
Yeah, so I think that makes it really good. But I can't think of any specific ones or even gay ones at all. <laughs> like, not at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, to end my Star Wars references, you guys are saying they're the Padme and Anakin of the group then. Oh, okay, come that's on. It, that's oh, it, that's no. it, that's it. I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm don't, I don't in, like that. I'm just saying I in Clone so. Wars, they added a lot of depth to them. So it's not just going oh, by, like, Revenge of the Sith and all that. Anyway, moving he likes on. <laughs> I'm just going to let that simmer. Um, But no, yeah, I think what's really, I think what's really exciting about them is that we haven't seen a gay version, I feel like, of this archetype of like the, the, I guess, the unresolved sexual tension between like a good guy and a bad guy. Um, We have, I don't, I can't, I I don't have a version that comes to mind. I feel um, like I, it, it just popped in my mind. Um, the show The 100 might have had something close to that with uh, Clark and Lexa. It could have, but they didn't go that yeah. way. Like, it, it start, it, if anything, it was like they started off on the wrong foot, but then they realized, oh, we have things, that, we're on the same side, I guess. And then it just kind of developed from there. I mean, it was, it was not, it wasn't as, it wasn't like such a, like, yes, they had philosophical differences, but it, I don't think like, I don't know. It, it, the show never really painted, like, it never really fully committed to, like, oh, yes, like, Lexa is, like, the big bad of the show, and she's going completely against um, Clark. So, I mean, it, it, like, for instance, like, you can make the argument that, like, okay, one more Star Wars reference, that, like, Han and Leia are kind of like, oh, the good girl and the bad boy, even though he's not necessarily, like, a bad mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. So I think it's, like, it's mm-hmm. very important to also make that distinction that, the bad boy, the bad girl, isn't necessarily, like, a villain. Um, and I think what's interesting, what something that's really interesting that draws Adora and Ketra together is that because Ketra is such an interesting character and very complex, like, what a good villain should be or what we're seeing as her become, um, that's what makes their relationship that much more, um, like, it, like it, it just makes it spark. Um, look, I, I I, love Adora. No offense to Adora. But, you know, she is, like, that archetype, like, like character, like the hero, right? She's mm-hmm. the one who takes on the world on her shoulders. She's the one who has to deal with all this power. What really makes this relationship is Ketra and how and the way that she pushes her buttons and the way that they keep they keep being attracted to each other and keep coming together despite everything pulling them apart. So I think because of the complexity of Ketra as a villain and what she's becoming, I think that's why it's so unique and why, and it's kind of crazy that we've never seen that, a gay version of that. And I'm just very curious of how it comes out because, you know, it, we'll, we'll, we'll get into how it can be problematic, but, um, but yeah, so that, that's it. Anyway, um, yeah, um, Sam, you mentioned also that they're the one of the reasons why they're so complex is because and why this aspect works is because that they were childhood friends. Yeah. So what it like if you have anything to add to that, or Haley, if you want to add a little bit more to it, like why is it so crucial that they did know each other before and that they do have this kind of bond and were able and you know kind of had to deal with this very abusive childhood coming together and being raised like why is it that instead of like why isn't it detrimental like why isn't it that 
people see that and don't see like, oh, they're siblings. Oh, they're sisters. Even though I'm sure some people are like, oh, they're sisters. It's like, girl, sisters don't da- dance that way in a, at a prom. But, um, <laughs> but you know, like some people could be like, oh, like they grew up together. Why isn't it like, why can't they be seen as siblings instead of childhood friends? Like what made the, why did it go right instead of wrong? Like why did it add to the relationship instead of become a reason why it won't work? Huh. I don't know. I feel like the answers to that might be in the first episode when you get like Katra and Adora being all playful with each other and like sleeping in the same bed. I I don't know. That's sort of, that's something to chew on because now that you bring it up and then I'm thinking about it, you could really easily hand wave the whole relationship away. As being, oh, they're just, like, adopted sisters. Because they, like, grew up together and they, like, have the same guardian. I don't know, man. That's hard. Haley, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's tough because I think you could read it that way. By the time we get to, like, the prom episode, I think you can't anymore. Because <laughs> um, then it's getting really uh, obvious. But, I don't know. I think maybe why you can read it as a romantic rather than just sibling kind of familial love is it seems like they I don't know how to phrase this that they care about each other beyond just that kind of level (laughs) which is like so obscure and and very subtle like you can't I, I I would not blame people at all for thinking that for not reading it romantically at least for the first I guess half or whenever um but I think by the time we get to the end, there's more going on in their relationship that can't just be explained by them being like sisters. Like there's very deep um, emotions that seem to be reflected, especially in that episode, um, the promise one where they get all the flashbacks happening, um, which just seems like it's it's on another level kind of. And that there's like this unrequited thing happening with it where they don't want to say how they're feeling, but they're feeling that way. Um, yeah. And then of course, like, like you said, Beatrice, <laughs> that's not how sisters dance. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. And all the little like side eyes and like hand holding and stuff like that, um, is not, uh, how best buds are hanging out with each other yeah, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I just want to, before we move on, just very quickly quote, very briefly, something that Noelle Stevenson said. She did an interview with Polygon and she said that basically, it's a very long quote, so I'm just going to paraphrase. But she basically just said that they are, that uh, Ketra and Adora are the core relationship of the show. And I think part of the reason why this, they are so appealing is because, again, they are these kind of, they are dead, like the, she and the rest of the Shira crew are dedicating time to fully develop these two characters in a way that I don't think we often see. We don't see, not the, we don't see not just often with two female characters and also like in animation, we don't see it very often with two female characters of opposing views and bringing them up together and like having them go so, having them like clash so head on um, and having them like interact the way that they do like so directly um, like there could be like a very big bad like female villain and a very big bad female su- uh, not superhero female hero or protagonist, but it could be like oh she's like the big big bad but like over there and they never meet or whatever. But they're so interwoven together. Um, I think that's what makes them stand out and the complexities of that and how we don't often see that just makes 
them here, like the fact that we do see them, it makes it all the more, I don't know, we're like in, we're like drought, we're not drowning. Um, we're our third, like, what's that word? When you're, when you're parched, there you go. We're parched for <laughs> this kind of, of we're, um, yeah. we're parched for this kind of thing. And the minute that we see it, it's like an oasis in a desert. Um, but let's move on to the best moments of season one. Um, I mean, if you haven't figured it out already, like we we're spoiling. Sorry, um, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't spoil that slide. much. It's, it's it's all like background. We haven't gotten to the big stuff. But yeah, so let's just kind of hit like the big point, the big moments in season one, and just take me back to what you were thinking when you were watching it. Um, so first, like, did you ship these two like from the minute they were on screen, or was there a particular moment where you're like, oh, this is where we're going? Oh, like, yeah, I, I shipped yeah. them right away. Yeah, it, mostly yeah, for me it was because, beginning? yeah, because I I I think I saw it pop up or something, and then I saw people online, and I think in, like, overly animated saying that it's awesome and, like, this whole <laughs> Ghidorah uh, ship was happening. So I went into it with that being a motivation for watching the show <laughs> was their relationship. So I was uh, primed to see it the whole time personally gotcha. yeah yeah definitely and, yeah. dylan was like bringing it up yeah <laughs> i was i wasn't planning on watching the show but then i was like oh. me neither i was not gonna watch it at all i was like that's no i'm not into that but then i saw all this and was like and then i scrolled through the episodes and saw the prom photo where they're like yeah like, dancing and i'm like okay i'll watch it yeah, <laughs> I, I was i was definitely like gearing up to see that one when i saw the yep. thumbnail for it <laughs> um but no i think what really like the moment that really got me on board was uh when catherine and adora are having the fight after what was it they like crashed the ship or something and like adora is like oh i need to go and catcher's like no like just come back with me and everything will be fine, yada, yada. And I was like, hmm, yeah, I feel this. This is definitely, this is the <laughs> ship for me, at least. Sparking some emotions. Yeah. Oh, man, I feel, I feel like, Pat, that you guys didn't get, like, to go into the prom episode blind. No, not at all. Like, I when... was, like, I was partially, like, do I really want to watch the show? Can I just, like, watch that episode? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did watch the show, and I'm happy I did. Because so. yeah, I, I was rewatching it. It's like it's so good. I want to savor it. It's so good. But um, but yeah, I think for me it was like the mo like before like up to that like up to like the prom episode, all that stuff for me it was like ooh like there is enough there for me to write a fanfic. That's usually like my level of like shipping. <laughs> I'm like there is enough there for me like to write a fanfic about this if I really wanted to. Or if, if like, say, like, not enough for me to, like, re do, like, a reaction video to an episode, but, like, there was, like, enough there. I was, like, okay, like, I could ship this in, like, a non, like, I'm not super invested kind of way. Like, I can have fun with it. It's fine. It's all good. Like, this is all, like, ship and let ship and it, like, shipping is fun category. And then the prom episode happened. I'm, like, wait. We're going there. Okay. And then, uh, like, the minute I saw Ketra in a suit, and I was like, wait. Like, shout out to Needle. Like, the minute I saw Ketra in a suit, I was like, okay, hold on. 
what what's going on and then they start dancing and I, oh god anyway i lost i i'm pretty sure it was documented on discord somewhere in the shira <laughs> channel like plugs for discord because that's where we have our meltdowns and yep. that is where i think i'm pretty sure i was watching it and then i had that meltdown um which is always great for it to be documented um but yeah so i want to kind of start with because you're right up to that up to like a certain point it could have been read as just like oh, they're like, they're siblings, they grew up together. Like, it, there's no, like, kind of romantic tension. There's no big thing there. Um, for me, something that was, like, interesting was that in episode five is, like, the early, like, for me at least, it was, like, the earliest that we see kind of more kind of of, a, like, a sexual tension between them. Um, episode five, the Seagate, um, where, we min- where we meet Marissa for the first time. Um, there's like that see, there's that like shot of them fighting and it's just, there's just the way it's like storyboarded. There's just, there's a lot of like extreme close-ups to their faces being close to each other, like extreme close-up to their faces, like in the same frame. Like the touches are very intimate. It's like, yes, Ketra's like hurting her, but she's like grabbing her cheek and holding, like grabbing her face with her hand and like crazy. Yeah, there was unnecessary touching happening in that fight. There's unnecessary caresses between the two during this fight. And like, you know, Ketra caressing Adora's face from behind. Like, I'm just like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, I was partially this- expecting a kiss during the fight. Like, <laughs> like I-, I wasn't expecting a kiss, but I was just like, the way it was being framed was like, it was, it kind of reminded me, and this is probably, this is not going to be the first of my Avatar references, um, but there is this one shot in Avatar between, um, between Azula and, um, and oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. And Sokka, between Asuka and Azuka and uh, Azuka. Oh my God. <laughs> Azula Azula? and Sokka. I, I'm, that, is that the ship name? That might be the ship name. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I guess. I, oh, that girl, sounds I know. But like there a was messed one up they, ship. But anyway, like the very reason that if they were a ship, the very thing that set that ship off is this one frame that they had where it's basically like there's like soup, like where basically she's taunting him and he pushes her against the wall. And then there's like a close up of their faces, like very close together, like basically push them there and you could have had them kiss. Not to say that's what would have made sense for that scene or anything, but that was what set off their shipping sales for their fan, their shipping fans. Um, so like that was kind of what this was reminiscent of. It wasn't like enough for it to be like, oh yes, like this is gonna, this is like canon, this is gonna happen. But the, the way it was framed, it was like just very intimate. And like, and then it's right after that, that Ketra goes like, this is what you left me for. And it's like, back to that kind of dialogue of like, leaving me, not like leaving the the mission. It's like, you left me, which is also very reminiscent of Bumblebee. Just mentioning that. Um, (laughs) I'm like, hi on Ruby. I'm just mentioning so many things right now. I'm so sorry. All the, Um, it's a lot of, it's good. You've got references to back up your claims. There you go. (laughs) Definitely. And Um, also Bumblebee, so similar. We got a blonde and we've got a cat. Oh my God, you're right. Like people, if you like Kachanura, go check out Ruby because it's happening, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, and again, um, back to the episode that last, after the whole thing, that last image of Ketra looking annoying as Adora's happy with her new crew. So no longer she, the Adora that thought having Ketra was enough, which is devastating to Ketra. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do you remember? I mean, I kind of ranted for a bit, but what do you guys remember of that fight 
do you agree with anything I said? Where are you just like, no, this is like problematic? Or do you think, or do you think both? It's like, yes, I agree, but that this is also problematic. We'll get into the problematic stuff. Don't worry. But like, what do you, like, how do you respond to this kind of word vomit? I just unleashed. <laughs> I think it was good. <laughs> you cover a lot of topics. No, I think um, particularly a part where you're mentioning that uh, how she personally feels hurt because I think later on and in a lot of cases after this she tries to present it like all of her actions are motivated by her trying to get Adora back on like the horde side and kind of framing it as like this is the right thing to do and it's it's bigger than us it's not just for me but I think in this episode we can definitely see where Katra is feeling personally hurt and it seems like most of her motivations, and I think all throughout the series, her motivations really are to bring this person that she cared about back into her life and to have her to herself. But after this point, she sees that, okay, so Adora's moved on for me. And to kind of protect herself, maybe, she's framing it like, oh, I don't need you. I'm doing my job and we're trying to get you back because this is like my mission and stuff like that to kind of protect herself from it just being a, per- a purely personal endeavor. Um, in a sense. So I feel like at this point with this episode, season episode five is where we see that really um, kind of shift. It comes back in the prom episode for sure, but yeah. <laughs> to be more personal. But um, I think at least by the end of the series, we can see that she's uh, moving on. Catcher's moving on. And it, well, maybe not moving on, but is uh, maybe giving up hope that she's going to ever have Adora back like she did. Um, and she's you working through that in the season. You could say she's letting go. Exactly. Uh, like she, off a cliff, maybe. Yeah. She's just <laughs> letting go of that handholding. She's like, no yep. more. Yeah. And it starts here. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Sam? Anything to add? Uh, I don't know. I kind of forgot what we were talking about on top of it. A lot happened. A lot happened. <laughs> I don't know. The but fight like, was the fight cute. Yeah. Did you like, like? Did you enjoy the fight? Did you Did you Did you notice anything by the way it was storyboarded? Um, honestly, not really. I don't know. Maybe because I haven't seen it in a little bit, so I'm like rusty and I can't exactly remember. Unfortunately, Rip. I like that it showed. I it, if, though. Yeah. If I remember it correctly, I feel like it showed that they were pretty evenly matched, which I think was good well, because I mean, I mean kind, or because, was it kind of or, because I well, mean, Adora, Adora was that was more like at the at the final scene, the final yeah. fight between them because like right now, like Adora had like was trying to heal the gate, so she was mm-hmm. like a little busy, so she it wasn't like she she wasn't really fighting Ketra in this. It was this. no, but even like in that state, she was in her like power mode yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Totally. but i feel like in this and in other episodes when she's just normal herself I- i've never gotten the sense that katra is like inferior in fighting yeah which is a good note because that comes up with their past where she was always told that she's like not good enough and stuff totally. um and it doesn't it uh i don't know it puts them on a more equal playing field like fighting wise but also abilities wise which is yeah. I think good. In yeah, that. totally. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, remind me to talk about this fight scene when we get into the problematic stuff. Okay. Remind me because I just it, something hit me. Um, right. but let's talk about something less problematic. Let's talk about the prom. That that's the next yeah. big thing is the prom. Yeah. Um, something I noticed while watching. I I did rewatch 
when I was like making the outline. So that's why I'm a little bit more fresh with this stuff. Sam and I are not. <laughs> Sorry, that's why everyone. that's why for everyone like this I I I was the one who had to do homework to like I anyway. Um so something that was really interesting is that basically Glimmer's anxieties about Bo throughout that episode were basically the Ketra's like exact same like anxieties about Adora. Only, you know, Adora did abandon Ketra, unlike Glimmer mm. being scared that Bo abandoned her. And, you know, it's it's a nice, like, parallel world. Like, it's, like, things that Glimmer did are what pushed Bo away. Not that, not that Adora was aware that she was doing things that would push Ketra away, but it's, like, oh, no, 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 sorry. Not that Ketra was aware that she was doing things to push Adora away. I don't know. It's just really great. And it's funny how, like, the moment that Adora tries to reassure Glimmer, like, no, that would never happen. Here comes, here comes Ketra, the very thing that she did to Ketra. Like, she abandoned her. And it was, I don't know, it's great. I, we see Ketra frazzling Adora to the extreme and teasing her in the best way. Um, and yeah, I just, watching so many gifs of like the dance, watching, there's like, so, it was so gifable. <laughs> watching like so I kid you not. There are, one, there are frames of the dance where Adora is smiling. There are frames, at least in the beginning, where she's smiling, even though, like, she's, like, super, like, Ketra, what are you doing? She's, like, enjoying herself. And when the dip happens, Adora is looking at Ketra's lips. Because there's, mm-hmm. she, there is a movement in her eyes where she looks You watched up. it so carefully. <laughs> so carefully. And I'm just, like... What does this mean? What does this mean? Tell me, people. What? Do, okay, like Haley, Sam. What does this mean? <laughs> Tell me. Like, why? Wh- why uh, do this if they're not? If it's not meant to be read as romantic? Like, what well, this does this is the mean? thing with the animation is that it isn't just like normal other shows yeah. where it could just be a like a tick other of the person. Shows, it yeah. they did it purposely. So I don't know. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. Be just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to make you lose your mind. <laughs> I guess so. What? What? When did? Like, when did you kind of lose your mind for the promise? I mean, you guys kind of already saw the pictures, and we stuff. did. You kind of were yeah, already. So I knew that was coming. <laughs> I think it was what uh, when it catcher like spun her back and then like caught her. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's happening. They're yeah. together. <laughs> I have to say, I like the build-up a little bit more, like, when um, Catra just, like, leaves a note behind in the trash can, and Adora's, like, acting all suspicious still, and she just opens it, and it's like, hey, Adora. Yeah, that was great. I that, was, that line read was amazing. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. No, totally, but um, is there any kind of, um, is there anything of the prom episode besides, you know, like, the dance? So, so, and, like... Sam, you mentioned the lead-up, but, you know, there's also, like, at the end, there is that moment where Adora saves Ketra, and both are yeah. surprised by that. And not only that, but what I've noticed is that this show really likes to do music cues with these ki- with these two. Like, we don't see music cues with, like, I don't know, Adora saving, like, Bo or Glimmer or something, or, like, something heroic. Like, usually, when it's, like, something, like particularly like character driven instead of just like action driven it's usually with adora and ketra um like the moment like basically adora saves her and then suddenly the music swells and i'm like what are you doing what is going on like i need answers um but is there anything in particular that beside the dance that surprised you about 
about what the show was trying to do with these characters, about like what they're trying, like, like, was this the moment where you're like, oh, okay, like this, like they might actually make this canon or were you like, we're in good hands. They're probably going to have some, they're probably always going to be canon or something. See, I was weirded out by part of this episode because no one really freaked out about like that their enemy has arrived, but I guess it's in a context where they can't fight. Right. So I think that was uh, a smart move, but maybe this is linking to a romantic thing is that Adora didn't seem like afraid of Katra necessarily until near the end. She was just more annoyed by her, Um, which was a little random. Um, But yeah, I don't know. What about you, Sam? Anything for of the way that they treated these two characters in the episode? Was it surprising to you, or what did it did it affirm any any of your beliefs in them or anything? I'm surprised they put Catherine in a suit. Yeah, that was yeah. a bold move and a good move. Not like bad surprise, obviously, but like you know, I'm, I'm, they went there. They did it. Good job. I don't know because I feel like I'm more surprised that they they committed more to Bo's crop tops. Because I feel like, because here's the thing, like I, and because it's always like this, when a woman takes on a more masculine um, attire, it's never, it's not, it's not, like, it, it, it is, not to say that it's never framed as a bad thing, or like framed as something that shouldn't be. It's not as striking. Be, but it, like, well, you it know, was striking in this case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, striking. Like ladies wear pants as well. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. But um, whenever it's usually like the men who take on more like feminine dress are the ones who face a much more intense backlash on, yeah. on all fronts. There's never like a good and a bad. It's usually like no. And the fact that we did get Bo in crop tops and him being amazing and rocking them was great. Anyway, um, I'm trying not to make this just a general Shira podcast. I really am trying, you guys. I, I, have, I have a comment on that that last bit about the the outfits. Um, tell me, tell me. So there's this really great documentary that I love a lot called The Celluloid Closet, and they actually talk about um, Marlena Dietrich's um, whole yeah. suit thing that was really big in the 30s, like uh, how in the movie Morocco she just like showed up in the suit, and how that's so appealing to everybody that a woman is in a suit, and it's always like a welcome thing as opposed to, like, you know, for example, a man being in more traditional women's dress, like crop tops or dresses, etc. I don't know. I just think that that's interesting that, you know, we have She-Ra here, well, like the show She-Ra, that's pulling that sort of stuff off. And then you have, like, Steven Universe that did the same thing with, um, yeah. I don't remember what the episode was when they got married, but, you know. And, like, Pearl was in a suit, and, like, Sapphire was in a suit. Everybody's just being suits all the time. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just like, oh, yeah, it's so great and, like, hot and stuff. But nobody really thinks about, you know, the opposite happening for dudes. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that's just... Re- Steven Universe most recently. Like, Steven wore, like, the pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So- he's, he's still doing it. Yeah, he's doing it too, but not even, but like we, I don't think there was like as big of a reaction or like, I, I feel like there was more of, I felt more, there were some people who were a little bit more negative about what he was doing. And I was yeah. like, but why, 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 he looks great. What are you guys talking about? Um, don't <laughs> I think if mess we want to get Steven. really, if we want to get very like societally deep, I think it's that, and part of why she did this anyway, is that it's definitely like a power move kind of. Oh, it's totally a power right? move. Right? <laughs> and, it, and it's. Part of that is that it is a traditionally male 
thing and patriarchy and everything else makes it so that um, a a more masculine presence is more powerful in this context, which is not good. But in this situation, I feel like it, it reflects their dynamic quite well to have her come in and just be like, like Katra knows that she's causing trouble when she comes here and she's coming in confidently um, and she's coming in powerfully, which is reflected in her suit yeah and the great tailoring on it like it was beautifully tailored and and <laughs> i like how the bow tie was like undone <laughs> it was such a good detail she's a cat yeah she's you know that they're, they'd play with it they're like no i don't like this i'm not doing this like i i, I what i missed was a scene of like scorpia doing her bow tie and her being like yeah this is not gonna work <laughs> yeah that would be good scorpia's okay. claws she can't oh yeah you're right. well, you know happen. she she could have like she, i feel like scorpia like is very underrated because the things she has to be able to do with claws, <laughs> you know, is so like di- so it's so difficult and she manages to nail it. And it's like we don't give her enough credit. But um, but yeah, let's move on to um, the big episode between them, which is Promise, which is episode 11, I want to say, um, where basically they move. Basically, this is where we start seeing like we get their childhood memories, we get their past, we get like a lot of, we get like that that dynamic that we love so well, which is um, basically Ketra being like a sundere, if anyone knows that term, which is basically like saying something snarky and then Adora being like, you miss me and all that stuff. Um, and Adora here is like shown as being super smitten in the beginning and it's so wonderful. But what's so interesting about this is that by the end of the episode, we see the crack we see that there are cracks in their relationship and it's not that not just that there are cracks in the relationship i'm going to quote noel stevenson here from that same polygon interview because she says it really well but she says quote you realize by the end of the episode that there's been problems way before adora ever left the horde so their relationship is a lot more complex than them just being pushed in different directions when adora leaves the horde they have a lot more to work through than that which i think is just unquote, which I think is just, um, uh, just, it really kind of is the reason I think why they're also so interesting is because it's not just philosophical differences. It's also genuinely like final, like we get like why they're upbringing and why the shadow weavers way of upbringing them is also driving them apart and just character flaws between the two that's keeping them from healing and being able to be together. Because, you know, like, there is this, like, one line where Adora in that episode is, like, like, basically, like, uh, Ketra's like, I had it. And Adora, like, says, like, sarcastically, like, sure you did. And it's like, she had it. Why don't you believe her? So I think instinctually Adora did sometimes feel like Ketra was second best and did believe the way things panned out. And I think it's so devastating how these two, how, like, the cracks in their relationship are like, I don't know, like say for instance, we take out like the fantasy, we place these two characters in like a family drama set in the real world and they're like married, this is the reason they got divorced. Like if they were like married, this was like, these cracks would have led them to divorce is what I think. And that's like really sad and really tragic. And this is not how you want to feel, but it's like, it's so complex and so angsty and angsty and wonderful so I'm just curious what you guys thought of this episode. Where were you? When, not where, actually, but like where were you <laughs> mentally while reacting to this? And 
see, and how did this change your pers- the perspective of Ketradora for you in terms of shipping? Did it change it or did you go in and were like, yeah, I kind of figured. Like, was there anything from it that kind of made you see the ship in a different way? I think it made it, oh, sorry. (laughs) I think it made it better, kind of. I know that's bad. Explain, explain. (laughs) I know. Um, Because they're they're sadder now, which is not good. Mm -hmm. Um, It It could be better. Sadder doesn't make it worse. (laughs) No, not necessarily. But I think it, it, like you were saying, it makes it beyond just good and bad. It adds this whole other layer to it, which explains a lot of their actions previously. Um, And it also relates to a thing I heard... um, I think it was David Tennant said it once, actually, about how a villain doesn't really feel... They don't think that they're the villain, right? In a lot of cases. They're acting how they think is best. So that kind of brings... I I feel like that's what is happening with Katra, where she doesn't feel like she's being bad or anything. She's reacting to these situations, how she's been brought up, and is also being informed by the fact that she's against her best friend. And then there's all this drama behind it, which again, adds more layers to their relationship, which is really interesting and makes it so that by the end of the episode, when she does betray Adora and it, it, it doesn't seem like totally random or hollow, because I think if it was just, you do, you won't agree with me on this issue, it wouldn't be as impactful, but it's clear that, this has been um, a conflict between them that's been going on for so many years, but they never had a, a chance to really vent it, you know? Um, and this is a pretty good opportunity to, uh, yeah. And it, it just adds a lot of depth to them, which is really good and brings out all the angst that you could ever imagine. And also informs how in the next couple episodes after this, where Katra like, becomes the big bad over shadow weaver is it's i feel like it's not really that she believes that the horde is meant to be doing this and it's all like she's like all gung-ho with the horde i think it's mostly is that she knows that in this moment she can become superior to the person who tormented her and also kind of get on level with the in terms of authority in their like power structures that are happening totally. so What's happening in this episode makes that seem logical to me. Totally. And it didn't seem like totally random, you know, which is really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sam, anything that you want to add? What Anything that may that may have shifted your perspective on Ketradora after this episode? I mean, <clears throat> I agree with Haley. Definitely turned them into more three-dimensional people. Like, you know, you go through somebody's childhood trauma, you really get to know who they are at that point. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was definitely a great character episode and a great way to sort of see, you know, how we got here and, you know, why Katra does what she does and how that affects her relationship with Adora. Sort of always feeling like second best, like the um like the forgotten redheaded stepchild, unfortunately. Uh, and I don't know, like with all that stuff in mind, it's hard to really, I not, not be on board with the ship, but it's hard to like feel good, fluffy feelings about it, you know, like seek yeah. out 
that fluffy, you know, fan work or, you know, just think about it in that way. Because you know how much Catra's is sort of suffering and you know how much Adora has suffered. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, maybe let's go get some therapy and let's just chill out and, you know, we can get together and like five years when we have all of our stuff sorted out. We need how some distance that? from yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah, but well, they are constantly fighting too, which isn't very good, but you know, you don't have a show without an antagonist. Yeah, yeah. So, I will say very, just as briefly as I can, because um, apparently I can't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I will say, um, I don't know, I do think, I don't think Ketra thinks she's doing something right. I think she knows she's doing bad things. Yeah. But she's still, the, she's still making that choice is something She's so rationalizing it to herself. But exactly, the not just her rationalizing, but the fact that we can understand why and we can see like the fact that we can still sympathize with her despite the fact that we know that she knows she's doing the bad thing is like not easy. So it's like hats off to like Stevenson and to everybody else who like wrote this because that's like to have a character that is that it's easy to just it, not that it's easy, but like to for a character to believe that they're doing good, it's easy for us to sympathize. But for us to sympathize with someone who knows that they're not doing good things, but still chooses to do them, and for us to still deeply care about them, is like very very difficult. And, it's and like, to be hurting our protagonist, and we're like, yeah, I can see where she's coming from. Like <laughs> not not just that, but not just that, sense. but be like, yeah, and I can still ship them. It's yeah, like right? what? It's like it's 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 really incredible. Um, kind of to add to this, um, we'll talk very briefly the finale, which kind of had this like big, again, another big fight between Ketra and uh, Shira, the final one of the season. Um, and it ties nicely with the promise because here's my question, like after everything, it's the last shot we see of the two of them, the last interaction between them is looking longingly at each other through an, a lot, like beyond enemy lines so it there is this question like in the promise it was all about like you need to let go and in the finale uh Katra caresses Shira's cheek and goes now it's over and it's like is it is it over like did they actually let go like what do you guys think oh no (laughs) no that's too deep what they went through (laughs) and their whole lives they're not just forgetting each other definitely not but I think they're moving on to um maybe it's Katra accepting that she's not getting Adora back how she knew her before, you know? Cause I think a lot of the, throughout the season, she's kind of um, coming at it. where like, Oh, I'm bringing you back. Like she's trying to get her back to go back to the camp or the base camp or whatever it is um, the whole time and phrasing it like that. But by the end, she's realized that like she's lost her um, and that she's changed that Adora's changed as a person and isn't, the same one that she knew, uh, which maybe it's her saying like letting you go is she's letting that part of her go. Um, but deep down <laughs> we'll always love her and we'll end up with each other by the end. Oh, that makes me sad. That's like a breakup. I know it's sad. It's sad, but it's good. Cause it's healthy. Cause like, as we said, they need some distance from each other. <laughs> they both need to grow as people away from each other. Um, and then come back together after that. Right. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Totally. We'll see. Who knows what will happen. Okay, so we're done with, like, the best moments. Let's just 
I want to ask, like, do you guys think what we've seen so far with Ketra and Adora is subtext? What we're re- Are we reading into all this stuff in season one? Or is it an intentional kind of... Because here's the thing, like, what is subtext? It is, like, yeah. a very va- vast topic. But for instance, like, the best way that I kind of try and... like tackle this is like kind of comparing Korosami in book one and two versus Korosami in book three and four where like in book one and two it's like they have these moments like yeah it's like subtext because you could read into it and like you're you could have fun with it but like in books three and four it's like this wasn't subtext this was text that was laying out them becoming a couple so it's like where does the where do we see this fall with Ketradora. Like is are the thing are the moments that they're happening that we are reading as romantic, as having sexual tension, or as like whatever, like is that just like unintentional is this just us reading into it? Or is this actual like intentional things that they're putting in text that will later on make sense? Like what do you think? Not obviously we don't have an answer because we don't know how this show is going to end. But do you think that we that there is a level of us like reading into things or do you think that it do you think it's safe to say like no this is an intentional thing that the writers are doing um sam. i think it oh yeah Haley, Haley, no sam and, uh, okay sure um so it's interesting because i was just like thinking about the concept of queer baiting last night not to say that Sierra's doing that i definitely don't think that it is but sort of like the things that people will put into their shows to telegraph that it's sort of going a certain way without actually saying that it is. Uh, Like, for example, um, the show in particular I was thinking about was Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and how they're handling everything. Uh, And sort of, you know, what is the line between intentionally putting putting in hints that, oh, these characters are really, you know, feeling feelings for each other? Or that this character is, you know, going to come out. Or this, that, and the other. Uh, line between that and just, like, eh, like, eh, who cares, you know. Uh, I definitely think that, like, like, it's all intentional. Like, knowing who Noelle Stevenson is and, like, her past work, I don't see a scenario in where she would be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make them do a romantic dance and look longingly at each other and yada yada yada. And it's not gonna mean anything because like Adora's gonna end up with Bo or something. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know. Like there is definitely that line between having to read between lines and having something be clear and i think a lot of shows especially when it's done you know not to be that person but unfortunately when it's something animated and geared towards kids you kind of have to hide things a little bit for the certain people who will homophobes yeah exactly for homophobes uh so that, you know, it can get past the radar of people who, you know, are actively looking and interested in that sort of stuff and who want that sort of stuff to happen, but still be, I guess, safe enough so that the homophobes don't 
think too much into it. Like the whole sisters thing we were talking about earlier. Uh, like that's definitely an example of that. Oh, you could just write them off as sisters, but people who are looking more deeply into it will see that, you know, that's not exactly the case. Right. Right. What about you, Haley? What do you think? Um, I think it's, I think you can, with anything really, you can read it however you want it to read it. And that's, that's up to you. But, uh, I think in this situation, it's, pretty overt especially after like prom episode going forward and everything i've been reading online at least from noelle stevenson it like she seems pretty explicit (laughs) in a sense that that this is happening um so i think you can't say that oh you're just reading into that like little lead-in line or whatever i think i think they're pretty obviously making it a focus of the show is their relationship um and are trying to make it romantic so yeah it seems like at least that from the writer's room that they're approaching it from a perspective that we share where they're gonna end up together romantically so yeah yeah do you guys think it will be more overt as the series goes on like because again this is dreamworks and we have to we not that every show under the same um uh, company is made uh, production company is made the same way or is deals with the same people but you know in terms of like the higher ups are the same and you know we do have to think about like how Shiro was treated in Voltron like which was at the end like sure he wasn't the main 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 character of the show I don't think Voltron had like one main character no he was pretty um, main though he was main but he but like what I mean is like Ensemble. any sort of <laughs> Yeah, but what I mean, again, I didn't, I haven't watched Ultron beyond, like, this first season. But, like, I, what I mean is, like, they, he basically got, like, a groundbreaking kiss at the end, at the very end of the series. But it was with an underdeveloped love interest. And it was, at again, at the very end of the series. And we didn't even know he was gay until, like, second to last season or something. Yeah. The so other was, thing with that, though, was, yeah. that is maybe positive um, is that, at least from what I've seen, is that part of why they ended up doing that, which is big and huge and awesome, is because of the backlash that they got from the season before, like Voltron spoilers, plug ears, that they they like killed off his boyfriend. <laughs> and it was just, it was wild. Um, and didn't get any attention or anything. So I feel like if, if the higher-ups really matter or anything like that, that they have seen that this is a uh, a plot point that people are interested in and get upset about when it's not properly addressed. So I don't know. I think I think it's I think it bodes well positively for for uh, uh, Shira. Hopefully, gotcha. I don't know. It seems like it's being presented like everything I've seen online, and I know like it's like a, a silo. Like you only see what you're looking for, but it seems like a lot of stuff is like guys, check out Catra and Adora and all these articles about, like, oh, the new big gay ship in TV, like, and stuff like that. So it's not like they can hide and and end the season and end the series being like, oh, we're best friends. Like, that would be pretty <laughs> ridiculous. Right? You know? Like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have hope. I have hope. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I definitely you? think that we're, we're, yeah, we're moving forward in mm-hmm. terms of... Uh, 
Representation. Yes, representation. Daringness. Sort of stuff. Um, while, I, I don't know, like, especially in animation, I think we are hitting a good point where, you know, it's unprecedented that, you know, we have this much uh, representation happening at the same time with everything just sort of a domino effect after the whole Korosami thing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many episodes is it going to have? Like 52 or something. So however many years down the line that is, like two, three more years at the end, I definitely think like, you know, something is going to happen. I don't think they're just going to be like, oh yeah, we're, we're gal pals. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there will be some sort of romantic action or words taken towards that step, but it's to be seen how far and how, how much progress we can make towards that. And both in the show and in the world. Mm -hmm. And also a factor too, is that where they are right now in their storylines, they're not getting together. Like enemies. Right. So we have to get to a point in the series where, Something's going on and Katra ends up changing sides and then we go from there. So, like, we're not saying it's happening today, <laughs> but, but I, yeah, I want, I'm, I'm really excited to see where, what storylines they have in mind where that would end up being a, a situation. Cause I don't think they're ending the series still being enemies. That would be just really dark yeah, sad. and sad. I, I'm yeah. sure la- last season, Katra will make her heel face turn. And or maybe know, we get like I don't know if we have like five seasons, season three or four, or whenever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it'll it will happen. Yeah, I mean, the redemption arc is in place for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. So you guys, do, you you are in the mindset. Of this is gonna be. This isn't something that's gonna culminate next season. This is something that's gonna yeah. be like slow burn. Like oh, yeah. we're gonna make you suffer until you get what you want. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's no fun if there's not the chase. Right. No. Right. Of course. Of course. Um, okay. Well, here's here's something that I'm gonna throw at you because I was thinking about this while writing, working on this outline. Like you mentioned a redemption arc. Do you think it's if Ketradora does become canon, do you think it it's in the best interest for Ketra to be redeemed? Because, for instance, like you know, um, Noelle Stevenson has mentioned that, like in, in for like for instance ep- that episode eleven, the promise she said that that episode was quote Ketra's first steps towards being a real villain unquote. So it's kind of like, do you think a redemption arc is is the best thing for this character? Because for like, this would keep her from going, like, super, super dark. This would make her more a Zuko than it would make her an Azula. You know, like, Azula... I mean, Zuko's an incredible character on his own, 100%. But, like, Azula's one of the best villains in animation and in TV in general. Like, just in general pop culture, like, she is an incredible villain. So, if Ketradora became canon, she couldn't be a villain anymore. So, it's kind of like, is it worth it is it worth it to like is like do you think that this would hurt whatever potential she would have as a villain or keep her from going the super dark that she is capable of becoming i'm formulating a fan fiction as you speak oh my god, oh my god. this is the greatest <laughs> I'm thing i'm getting an idea okay so what if 
we because I love the idea of her being like an Azula character. I want her to like come into her own and be a boss and be awesome. So uh, if she so she becomes this Azula kind of level villain and it's awesome and there's like sexual tension the whole way through and it's great and then but she's evil but then somehow i don't know through a series of events she well she's riding on this high she finds out that like her family or her people or something like that are were destroyed by the horde or something in that vein because she's this random cat person and we don't see any other cat people like you know all the other people that are uh, that struck me all throughout the season i was like is no one gonna talk about this (laughs) like what's happening here so where are the cat people right where are the scorpion people in the scorpion people because all the other or not all the other people but the vast majority of characters in this show are still like like anthropologically human you know right whereas like scorpio she's She's a scorpion, obviously. But Katra is like a cat, and she's very different in that respect. So I feel like they're not just going to leave that unaddressed, especially if we get into like like a world-building kind of thing. Like what was going on where there's also cat people? Like also tying back into Ruby, we got Faunus is like, it's happening. It's straight up. It's just straight up Bumblebee from Ruby, this ship. Um, it's I, like Azula and really- like had a child. That's Katra. Pretty much. Yeah. So I really, yeah. So I feel like she's going to become the big bad, which would be awesome. Um, But then something's going to happen where something relating to her backstory and her like ancestry is going to come up. And that's what's going to make her change sides. And she'll get her redemption arc through that somehow. Yeah. She'll learn that the cat people were like these really good guys. Right. Yeah. And that like her whole family was killed by the horde. And like their life was fading against them or something. Like her mother was like clutching her as uh, whoever was like ripping catcher away. Like we're going to indoctrinate Paralleling the hand holding, letting go. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 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 Because it's so rich. Like, where did these kids come from? You know, like... They stole them. Dive into this. They stole them. Exactly. They stole them from the people they conquered. And if she discovers that, I think that would be pretty brutal. Um, yeah. So th- there's my fanfic in a nutshell. Amazing. 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 Um, what I've learned from all this is basically that all I wanted was an Azula redemption, and I'm going to get it through Ketra. <laughs> yep. It's basically... Wow, you never read How It Became Yours? No, no. That what? It's. I'm sorry. What is this? <laughs> so, uh, it's just this really bad, meme terrible comic from Avatar: Last Airbender. Anyway. Oh, I got excited. I thought you were about to say it was like a hundred thousand no. oh, word, no. amazing, like fanfic <laughs> about Azula, and I was like, if only. what? This exists. We, even but though, no. like, even their design is similar. Actually, <laughs> like they look kind of similar, and they have these big nails and stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's so happening. it's it's happening. Um, oh, dude, like Gray Griffin's like on the show, so like we could like have like a fun. Anyway, right? we're done. Um, <laughs> there's possibilities here. There's possibilities. Anyway, we um, do a time skip, and then they have to get new voice actresses. You know, like, but um, anything could happen. Look, but I don't want a new voice actress. No, I don't for, either. For She's Petra. Okay, like <laughs> before we get into like the heavy stuff, I just I mean more heavy than normal. I just want to say, like, can we just collectively thank AJ Mashaka for all the hi Adoras and hey Adoras and all those, like, line deliveries? Because that's just peak, like, 
It's so much. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think it'd be a jump to say that that's peak queer culture. I think that's a fair assumption to say. This that line read is amazing. Like she may have nothing to do with that, with with whatever. But I'm just saying that is like that is a gift to the gays, and I just want to thank her for that. It's such a good line read. It really is. Such yeah. a good line read. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, so we've come to the point where we we need to talk about the problematic elements to Ketra and Adora. Um, because, you know, they are enemies. And on multiple occasions, Ketra has hurt Adora physically. Um, I mean, again, they grew up being raised to be soldiers. They had to spar a lot. But, you know, for me, it was really like, sure, the finale with the scratching of her back. And there, you, we see very, the, we see the, the scars, we see the, the scratches, like the, the bruises, we see the, it's not just like that they're fighting, but you don't see the aftermath. We do see them hurt. Um, but for me, what really made me slightly uncomfortable while watching, while doing the rewatch, especially knowing how I feel about Ketra Dora, was that episode five fight. Because Ketra, I mean, Adora wasn't fighting Ketra back. All she was doing was holding a sword, pointing at the gate, and like pouring energy out to fix it. And Ketra's just like, like, scratching her hurting her like she is clearly like yeah she's sheer at, at that moment but she was in a position where she was in a vulnerable position and Ketra was taking advantage of it and same in multiple other occasions you have this thing where they're both hurting each they, they both are fighting but it we we do see these like you know it does get very physical and Adora does fear Ketra you know, she does, she is scared of her, especially when Ketra gets close to her friends. She knows what Ketra is capable of. Mm-hmm. When she, when Ketra like kidnaps Bo and Glimmer, Adora's devastated. She's crying. She knows what that is. And when Adora and Glimmer are like about to escape and there is that shot of Ketra dragging the sword and it's all like in the shadow, like it's terrifying. And even, th- and that to me, that shot was from Adora's perspective. It wasn't from, from Ketra's perspective, because we knew from the beginning that Ketra was going to give her the sword and like tell her to go and be like, all right, you're on your way. So we do, it is, there is this kind of a framing where Adora is terrified of Ketra and knows what she can do, even though that she cares about her deeply, she's terrified of her. Um, and on the flip side, Ketra is not, like, Adora isn't mentally healthy for Ketra. Ketra always felt second best. Like we know this, we know the 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 turmoil and the how Adora made her feel inferior, intentional intentional or not. She made Ketra feel insecure, and that in itself isn't healthy for. So like on both fronts, they have issues. And so, what do you say to someone who tells you like, why would you want them to get together? Clearly, they're not good for each other. Like, how would you respond to that? Um, Sam, I heard a sigh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think in that sort of situation, if this were the real world, I would just say, hey, just, you know, you can be friends later down the line, but just don't talk to each other. Like, take some time, separate. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have somebody who you spent the majority of your life with as a friend uh developing feelings whatever you know it's going to be hard to completely cut them out of your life and uh 
you know, forget them, which are the, like, I don't know. That sort of stuff happens, but I don't know. It's taking that sort of stuff into account. It's hard to, in good consciousness, sort of wish them happiness together at this time. Like maybe when they're 30, things could be different, (laughs) but they're not. Got to grow a little bit first. Yeah. Right. Right. There has to be some sort of re- there has to be some sort of growth and redemption and change, but for both of them, it's not just Ketra. And yeah. It's it's both of them that need to grow. Um, Haley, what about you? What do you think? How how do you how would you respond to these claim? How would you pr- respond to the problematic nature of the ship? Um, I think it's extremely valid. Valid. <laughs> I can say that word. Um to think of it this way because it is that and I think that's part of their relationship is that it's not healthy which is kind of dark but is true and how they're being presented um yeah I think it it's so complex because I don't think they are good for each other at this moment and we can see that And, and like we were saying earlier like at the very beginning of the show, they probably weren't that good for each other anyway, but that's just how they had operated throughout their whole life. And this situation made it so that they had to confront their feelings and their emotions, which is good uh, and forwarding on into a a healthier relationship. But yeah, I think something, uh, something has to happen. I'd be really disappointed if the show just, was like, I'm good now, like, let's be friends. I think that would be uh, problematic. I think they have to have some sort of a an actual dialogue between the two of them to address this. Uh, yeah, and they're, like, at war with each other. <laughs> it's very dramatic. Uh, and on op- opposing sides trying to con- take control of the world and all of this stuff going on. So <laughs> that adds to the complication of it. Um but yeah, I think right now it's very valid and is very uh, important and needs to be addressed in the relationship for sure. It's also fun to ship them because it's like they're also are great together besides that. But it's it's definitely tricky with their relationship. But I, I think I think like what we're kind of getting at this whole episode <laughs> or the podcast that we're ending up to is that they need this time apart to like explore yeah. themselves, grow as people learn that their whole civilization was wiped out and then come back together um, as a better pair with each other. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, So final question for you guys, um, because we've gone for a long time. We have. Um, What do you hope to... Yeah, a lot to talk about. Um, What do you guys hope to see for Ketchador in season two? Like, in this next batch of episodes that we get, like, what do you hope to see? Hmm. I am hoping to see this Azula arc happen. But, like, in this second season? Like, see her, so basically see her go bad. Not not redemption, but see her go even further. No, I want her to see her go bad. I want her to be bad the next season. I think that would be really interesting and angsty. um, And and would also be good for the show, I think, as well. If they had an Azula-like character, that would be just, like, it'd be so awesome for the show thematically, besides the relationship. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want them to be together next year. I want the, like, unrequited love, but pain 
as well, which is like so dark. But just pain. <laughs> just the pain. Season two, pain. pain. That's what we want. Longing looks across the battlefield. Right? Yeah, like all of that good stuff. Um, yeah. But I also, I think the show could suffer from that as well because something that was so good about this season was all their scenes together, you know? Um, so I don't want them to be totally separated, but I want them to go on their independent storylines at the same time next season. So we won't be getting like another kind of prom like episode no. that is like no, pain. Yeah, but I mean it's like fun. No more fun is what you're saying. No yeah, more no. fun. No. Only <laughs> angst. <laughs> all the just angst. Angst and pain all next season. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um Sam, what about you? What do you hope for season two? Um I don't know what I hope for season two. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. But if I had to take a stab into the darkness of my consciousness, I would say I hope for... I don't know, because like, I'm thinking about the other ships that I love. Because I do like Limidora, and like, I do like Scorpia, Scorpia and Catra together. <laughs> just, just, you know, either as friends or as whatever the case may be for the time. What I hope for season two is that Scorpio will deflect from the bad side and then Catra will be like, I'm Catra. Why does Adora keep stealing all of my friends? And, you know, she'll send just like a really strongly worded letter and like make a cat face at the end of it. And Adora will be like, oh, you Catra. Um, but no. Uh, I don't. I, I can definitely see that something like that happening where more people will deflect to the good side uh, from the horde, and it kind of just really grinds catchers' gears. And there will probably be like a confrontation between Adora and Catra, and things will happen. Maybe somebody will slap somebody, and yeah, it'll be great. You know, things will happen. Things will happen. They sure will. That's for they, sure. That's they confirmed. They sure will. Um, <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah. I just, I I don't know what I want. I feel bad. I feel like I, sh- I should have an answer given that I asked you. Yeah, come on. Guys. But um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, you need I, the outline. I know, I know. But I just, I just asked the question. I just wrote the I question. Know, I didn't, I, I didn't hear an answer. Um season two i kind of just want i kind i want more of their backstory but i mean i want more of like not their backstory but like where they came from before the horde i guess but i feel like Mm -hmm. if we get that then that might be a road to redemption for ketra so maybe understand like where did adora come from like who are her parents because i'm assuming because we keep seeing like the flashbacks of like we hear like whenever like she touched the sword we heard like a baby cry so i was like okay maybe that's adora and like what's going on um and with i can't you know what i want next season what i want next season is for adora's friends to call her out on her feelings so not like I want them to be like, yo, like why do you like this girl? She's horrible. And then Adora being like, you don't understand, like she's whatever, you know what I mean? Like I want, I want her. I think what I want for next season is Adora like still believing that Ketra can be redeemed possibly, and then her friends calling her out on it, being like, no, she's bad, and then Ketra proving that she's bad, and then 
the like when Kedra does get redeemed, it's her proving to Dora, who's lost all faith in her, that she's worth believing in again. Aww. That's later. But like, you know, I need Adora to hundred percent like lose faith in Kedra. Like there's I feel like that's not a hundred percent there yet with Adora. I think Kedra right now is already like cutting Adora off and now is just gonna go further down. Adora, I think, is the one who has to let go next season so that she can like defeat her. I guess like maybe she'll hurt her. And then again, this isn't healthy, but they're not there yet. Um <laughs> and then um I don't know, and I think maybe like I don't know, I want there to be a showdown between them where Ketra realizes, basically like the flip side of the promise, where Adora's the one letting go of Ketra, and Ketra's the one realizing, oh god, I've lost Adora. Versus Adora realizing that she's lost Ketra. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Ketra's got to do something really bad. But like I want right? I want Ketra to like make Adora cry, but like in front of her. Not when she, not while she's walking away. I want her to see Adora cry so that she can feel it too. You know what I mean? So you want Ketra to see so you want Adora to cry and Ketra to see it. That's like, the order? I want Ketra to be guilty about it. Okay. Like, so at this point I she hadn't really felt super guilty, but I want her to feel guilty about it. But like at the end, like yeah. the entire season of her doing like bad, bad things. Mm-hmm. And then at the end seeing the results of it and then feeling guilty. They could end like, up oh, like Oh no, I didn't want this. At a battle That's- scene and Adora like confronts her there. So like the whole season we've had this angst happening and it's like they haven't really been near each other, and then by the finale they're next to each other and can vent a little bit. Like yeah. I could see that happening. You know, like venting and then Adora like crying. Crying. Like, okay, yeah. You like know that. that there's that scene with okay, Ruby reference, but you know was that yep. scene with, with Yang like crying about saying how like she wanted like why did like basically like she need basically admitting that she needed Blake and Blake wasn't there and then Weiss being the one that comforts her. So I want that to be her like I want Adora to say like not that, obviously, but I want Adora to like cry and say what she needs to say to catch her to her face. And that that's enough for Adora to push her away. Yeah. And then, but Ketra needs to receive it so that she feels guilty and is aware that, oh God, she's And then that Adora. spirals into our redemption arc. But that's, exactly. Yeah. But like, she has to go really dark for, mo- for like, the ma- for almost all the, the entire yes. season. And then it's at the end, like the last shot is of her like feeling regret. And it's yes. like, and it's the spark of like hope, like, oh, maybe Adora, maybe Ketra can go, go- can be good. But she's going to have to fix a lot of stuff. Like, then the season after that would be her, like, doubt, her doubts. And then the season after that is her redemption. Like, yeah. her doing Because long con, like, I feel like the big bad that we're going to be fighting is like an Ozai kind of thing. Where yeah, the, exactly. whatever, I don't know what his face is, but the, the big bad guy, yeah. the boss of the Horde, he's going to be who we're fighting the, in the end totally. with Catra on Adora's side. Like, I, totally. I can see that happening. But I think there's got to be, like... And Noel Stevens had said, too, that this is just her starting to become a true and proper villain. So I think she's got to have time as a proper villain. Exactly. And we'll get That's all the why. angst out of that that we exactly. can handle. <laughs> That's why I kind of am like, season two, she's like voluntarily choosing the bad. Yeah. In season three, she's, she's like, doubting, but right? still doing the bad thing. And then and it's in season four when she doesn't choose the bad, you know? So it's like long game, like... Things, but in season five is when people believe her to be good, you know. So it's like long game kind of stuff. Anyway, I've just we've got it all mapped solved out. Like, Shira. Just- I've just solved Shira, you guys. No, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like, but it. yeah, um, but yeah, um, unless you guys have anything else to say, I think we're done. Yes, Love is complicated. Very Love complicated. Is complicated. 
Especially when you're caught in an intergalactic war with princesses and magic. Just, you know, it's tough. tough. How can anybody be in love when that happens? Right? (laughs) And not just that, but also, like, Ketra's a cat. And cats are hard. You know, they're hard. hard to, like, figure out. Like they're 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 complicated beings, and like all you want is their affection, but they're the ones who decide when to give it to you. So it's like it's yeah. very complicated. That's what I like. But um, but yeah, so you guys can find out all the info on this podcast at overlyanimated.com. You can join us on Discord to text chat about animation at overlyanimated.com slash Discord. You can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Um, thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Danny. And thanks as always to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Hugh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.